Welcome to Do You Have Scripture for That? This is Clay Garrison. Today we want to ask a question, and that question is, is it sinful to study philosophy? Is it sinful to study philosophy? So, uh, in, in my mind growing up, I, I grew up in, in a rural area in South Carolina, and the word philosophy kind of, you either fell on two different sides of a of a spectrum on it. Um, it was either you didn't know what philosophy was or never heard of philosophy, or you knew that philosophy was this evil thing that uh, that you should never take part in, and part of that was because of the verse that we're actually going to read today. So I want to look at that verse. I want us to talk about it and, and, and kind of talk about what philosophy is and uh, what what people do with it, what it can be used for, and uh, pros, well, not really pros and cons, but um, evil and good uses, I guess, for it. Um, so I want to I go through that, kind of help us think through this, um, so that we'll have a better understanding of, of what the Bible says about philosophy. And, and the verse that I'm referencing is Colossians 2.8. So if you'll turn there, I'm going to try to keep this episode shorter today, just we're just discussing this one question. If you look at Colossians 2.8, I'm going to read this verse. It's, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so this is the verse that, that people will read, and they'll say, well, look, it's right there. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. So that means we should automatically not listen to philosophy. If anybody starts talking about it, we should plug our ears, you know, la, 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 don't talk to me, and, you know, just not hear it because Paul's saying don't be taken captive by this philosophy. And so that would be the, the simplistic approach of reading this verse and saying, well, that's that's what it's saying. But I want us to really look at, in depth at, at what this verse is actually saying and maybe look at some of its surrounding context to see what Paul is actually getting at. So one, Paul doesn't want us to be taking, taken captive by philosophy. And so we know just by, the, that, by that word captive that there's a way that you can listen to something. There's a way that you can hear something without being taken captive by it. And Paul even uses the word with, he doesn't just say, uh, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, but he says by philosophy and empty deceit. So it's almost, he, he is describing what he means by philosophy or what type of philosophy he's talking about. A philosophy of empty deceit, a philosophy that's empty of anything real, empty of anything that pertains to Christ, which is what we're going to get to later, and a philosophy which is going to try to deceive you about the reality of things about uh about the reality of who god is and who christ is and what he has done on our behalf and so that is the type of philosophy that paul is saying i don't let no one take you captive in these things let no one uh convince you against the word of god and have you so bound up in in this way of thinking uh that you are you're considering turning from christ so so don't you know don't don't become captive in those things and so these dangerous philosophies are, are what? He gives us some more descriptions. He says, 
Uh, I don't want you to be taken captive by philosophies that are according to human tradition. So this human tradition is this idea of of it being a a way of thinking. And we're going to get into what philosophy actually is in a little bit, but I want to get through this verse. So if if it's according to human tradition, that means it is coming from the mind of man. It is a description of reality that is coming from man himself as opposed to being according to Christ or by the mouth of Christ, what he says about reality. In the same way, he says, don't be taken captive by philosophy. That's according to the elemental spirits of the world. Now, this can get kind of complex, but if we take our context toward the end of the chapter, it seems to be that Paul doesn't want want these people to be taken captive by philosophies that would take them back to modes of worship that are just full of ceremonies and... um, empty outward things that don't really point to the true reality of worship that is found in Christ uh, that doesn't reflect what Christ did his sacrifice and how that affects our worship so he's got in mind this idea of of going back to the old Jewish ceremonies or practicing uh, this asceticism this self-punishment and um, depriving yourselves of things as an act of worship to God he's saying all those things are are, are empty. They're they're according to human tradition. They're according to the elemental spirits or the base spirits, childish spirits, things that aren't mature. They all belong to that category, and so they can take you captive. I mean, if we consider a person that is that is in Christ, who would seek to um, who would seek to become convinced of a philosophy that would have them perform self-flagellation you know I, I always remember this this movie and i don't remember or it was a documentary maybe it was it was from the the time period of the bubonic plague and you would have these monks who would be whipping themselves as a way of getting rid of their sins so that god would send away this plague from them and so they had been taken captive by a philosophy which was not according to Christ, which was according to human tradition, this idea that they could punish themselves and and rid themselves of God's judgment in their eyes. So that's just an example. So going further, we see that Paul is condemning any philosophy that finds its root in the thought of man and not the teaching of Christ. If we look at if we look above Scroll once again. I say scroll up. I'm in my on my phone again. If you scroll up uh, in in this passage, look at verse three. Well, verses honestly, we'll read verses one through three so we can get the full context of this. He says, "For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face." that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we see that Christ is the mystery of God that is now made known to us. Christ's incarnation, his coming in the flesh, was a pinnacle event in history. 
We see it's God's mystery. What he's been building up to is being revealed in Christ. And in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So it would be sinful for us to go to these empty philosophies these that, that are just full of deceit if they're rooted in man's thought and they're not rooted in who Christ is and what he has done and, and the teaching that comes from him, from his word, from God's word. If, if Christ is the center of this uh, of, of God's mystery that's been revealed to us, then it will be a slap in the face to God, to Christ, who has all wisdom and knowledge, who's, it, it's all treasured up in him. It will be a slap in the face to him for us to turn to man's thoughts about reality whenever they're not centered in Christ. And so that, that should be our thought process around these philosophies is that there is a philosophy that is according to Christ. Because Paul's given us all these things that aren't according to Christ. And so he's implying that you know if, if, if you're not to be taken captive by empty philosophies, by empty deceits, by things that are according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ, that means he's insinuating that there is a philosophy that's according to Christ. And so what would that look like? And that's where we need to kind of learn, well, what is a philosophy? What are we talking about whenever we say the word philosophy? So quite literally, and a lot of people probably know this, but literally it would mean love of wisdom. So, you know, you break down that word uh, like the Philo and Sophia is love and wisdom. So it's the, the idea of the word philosophy is love of wisdom. But in reality, what we see in, in the world around us, especially when unbelievers are doing this, in reality, philosophy tends to work out as love of man's reasoning abilities apart from Christ. That's what we see on a regular basis. And honestly, that's the danger that we see in philosophy, and I'm sure that's what Paul is warning about, is don't don't take confidence in your own ability to reason about reality separate from Christ, separate from the fountainhead of all truth and knowledge and ability to know, which is found in Christ. But in simple terms, this is what philosophy is supposed to do. Philosophy seeks to set forth the nature of reality. And this this is divided into three different categories. These three categories are metaphysics, epistemology, and ethics. So those might sound like big words. I'm going to try to explain what those are. So the first is metaphysics. And if we just break down that word meta, meaning above or beyond, and then physics, so physical things that are physical, things that, be seen, that can be seen around you, the physical reality. So it's saying metaphysics is studying those things that are above and beyond what we can, what we can see around us, above and beyond physical reality. And so ultimately what, what it's studying is, is being, like what is, what exists, what is, what is the nature of reality uh, of existence and things like that. Um, epistemology is is the study of basically of a simple way to know is how do you know what you know. Now I feel like this is an area that people don't really think about that often, um, but it's you can easily jump into this if you ask the question, "Well, how do you know that?" Now that can get 
aggravating at some point. And, and, and yes, at some point that, that question isn't helpful, but whenever you're thinking through something and, and you, you think you have a knowledge claim, you think that you know something for certain and you ask yourself, well, how do I know that? And then you can kind of get really bent out of shape if you don't really understand how you come to know those things. And so that branch of philosophy, you know, talks about, you know, how how do I come to a knowledge of what's of what's real, of what's true? How can I know my study in metaphysics is accurate? How do I know that I know those things? And so that's a whole section in and of itself. And then the last section is ethics, and I think we're we have a lot of exposure to that, so we we kind of know what ethics means. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's what is the good thing, uh, what is, um, what is the right thing to do in, a, in any given situation. Uh, that's, that's the kind of stuff that ethics covers. And I think it's important to consider that a lot of these areas are interconnected, like your ethics, what you do and what you, what you think is right is going to kind of be dependent on those other areas of metaphysics and epistemology and your epistemology is going to kind of be dependent on what you think is right. And, um, and, and what you think is real, the reality of things and what you think is real is going to be somewhat based on how you can know what you know and what's right and wrong. So you have all of these are kind of independent or not independent, but dependent upon each other and intertwined. So once all of this is considered, philosophy is basically an exposition of a worldview. Everyone has a worldview. Um, this is something I didn't really wasn't really taught much until I went to college. Uh, but I think everybody can come to a grasp that you know they they do have a worldview. And an easy way of talking about a worldview is just the lens through which you see the world. So it's almost like a pair of glasses on. Everybody has a pair of glasses on that they that they filter the world through, that they see the world through. Um, this this pair of glasses is is full of you know presuppositions and uh, ways of interpreting information, and all of these things are, are being shaped by who you are, who how you were trained, how you were raised. Uh, the different circumstances that you've been through in life all shape this worldview and how you look at things. And as a believer, as as Christians, our worldview should be radically shaped by God's word. That's part of the reason that we're, you know, commanded to to be in God's word and and to be nourished by it. Is that it informs this worldview that we have. It it shapes and molds these glasses or these lenses that we're seeing the world through, so that we look at the world rightly. Because if we just use our own human reasoning, if we use our own sinful nature to look at the world around us, we're going to get a distorted view because sin distorts our view. However, if we are using scripture as that lens, as that lens corrector, uh, in a sense, then we're going to get a more closely attuned view of, of what reality is. And we can know that we have truth if it's what God thinks about it. So if you want to yeah, there's a standard of truth right there. That's a that's a philosophy claim in itself. If I say something is true because it's what God thinks about it, then that's a knowledge claim. That's a philosophy claim. So everyone has a worldview, but not everyone can put that worldview into philosophical terms. And I think that's why people hesitate whenever you talk about philosophy is that 
you know, they don't know all these terms. I don't, I don't blame them. There's a lot of terms that are hard to understand. Everyone doesn't understand all of these terms, so they can't put their worldview into these terms. They can't explain their, their worldview as a system because they haven't really been taught to think at that level, to think about what they believe at a system level and how they all interconnect with one another. However, I think Christians who really study their Bibles are ahead of the curve because the Bible teaches a worldview. The Bible gives you a way to view the world. Our expressions of systematic theology, whenever you, you know, you have systematic theology textbooks where uh, people are bringing together what the Bible says about major doctrines and and setting them forth in one volume, one, or sometimes multiple volumes, but, you know, all, all together in one place, they are setting forth a worldview. They are setting forth this is what reality is. This is how we think about reality. This is how we know that is that that reality is as we are saying it is. And we're saying that this is good. So you're hitting all these areas of philosophy whenever people are setting forth systematic theologies and they're basically serving as our philosophy against the philosophies of man. So if you think about the idea of a Christian philosopher, they might be dealing with more specific areas than a than a theologian, but at the end of the day, a a philosopher who is a Christian and is and is trying to bring the Christian worldview to bear against all these opposing worldviews, their philosophy should look like a systematic theology, because that's basically what it is. I mean, you are setting forth a Christian worldview, and a Christian worldview should be a systematic expression of what the Bible says about every aspect of life, which is basically a systematic theology. So what is our answer to the question? We began all of this by asking, is it sinful to study philosophy? And by considering this verse in Colossians 2.8, which is normally used as just a quick reference verse to say, well, that verse says we shouldn't study philosophy. We learned that it's saying we shouldn't be taken captive and we shouldn't be held captive <clears throat> held captive by philosophies and empty deceits that are according to human tradition, that are according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And so by that token, we see that Christians should only study philosophy if their hearts and minds are held captive by Christ. And the purpose of that study should be for the purpose of dismantling any man-made philosophy with the wisdom and knowledge found in Christ alone. So as a token of wisdom, I wouldn't suggest any any Christian, any believer to jump into full-fledged study of philosophy, you know, all, all the philosophies of the world. Because those are things that can lead you away from Christ, that can take you captive. That is what Paul's talking about. However, we can't completely avoid the idea of philosophy because everybody has a philosophy. Everybody has a worldview, just like everyone's a theologian. You know, it's just a matter of whether you're a good one or a bad one. And so we should have some base level understanding of, of what is philosophy so that whenever we hear bad philosophy, we can combat that with a good philosophy which is a philosophy that is grounded in christ 
uh, that comes from a, the heart of a believer that is held captive by Christ and knows that Christ is the source and the treasure trove of all wisdom and all knowledge. And so as you grow in your faith, as you're rooted in Christ, we can learn from other Christians about how to better think through these worldview issues and these issues of metaphysics, epistemology, and ethics. We can think about those things in a Christian way, and then we can approach these unbelieving philosophies and and critique them from the perspective of a Christian worldview, from the perspective of the Christian philosophy and theology that we've built up on the Word of God as the foundation. And basically to attack those things, to close the mouth of those false philosophies, those bad philosophies that are taking people captive, we can close their mouth and open the door to proclaim the gospel to them so that they might come to Christ and learn true philosophy, learn true worldview wisdom, learn true theology that is rooted in God's word as well. So I hope this was helpful for you. I know not everybody's going to go jump into philosophy studies and you know that's fine but I do think we need to understand that there is a distinction to be made between a philosophy that's according to Christ and one that's according to human tradition and elemental spirits of the world and what that means thank you for listening this has been do you have scripture for that I hope you guys have a good day bye